0: Welcome to the International Curriculum Specialist Series where Fieldwork Education interviews both experts and educators on how best to improve our learning. In this episode, I interview teacher and IMYC coordinator Daniel Michon from the Nord Anglia International School of Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Danielle breaks down how the mini-cycle of research, record, and reflect in the process to facilitate learning looks and feels like in the classroom, and why it should be repeated for students to gain more depth and understanding. Danielle's thoughts and analysis are insightful as she shares her experiences and ideas of how you can better scaffold learning and encourage student agency within the classroom. I'm Lee Hendricks, International Curriculum Manager for the Middle Years here at Fieldwork Education, and welcome back to the International Curriculum Specialist Series. Daniel Mishan has worked with the IMYC since 2013 when she joined the founding secondary team at the International School of Koje, ISK, in South Korea. As curriculum leader for the I.M.Y.C., Danielle worked with the team at ISK to be the first ever I.M.Y.C. accredited school. She now works at Nord Anglia International School Rotterdam or NACER in the Netherlands as part of the secondary academic leadership team, which includes overseeing the I.M.Y.C. Not only does Danielle continue to teach in the I.M.Y.C., she is also an experienced I.M.Y.C. trainer and accreditor. Danielle has supported schools all over the world to both introduce and develop the IMYC for their school context, as well as promote ongoing professional learning for all staff. And I would like to warmly welcome Danielle to our specialist series today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. Nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you too. And we like a backstory here when we uh, have been developing our specialist series. So we want to know a little bit about... What led you into education and uh, more about what's going on now? What are we working on?
1: Right. Yeah, very nice question. Actually, I would say I came to teaching and classroom teaching maybe a little bit later than most people. Uh, the first five years of my career, I actually spent in research and program development in education. And then after spending you know, a lot of time with schools and programs and teachers, I kind of thought... Actually, I think I really want to be doing that instead. So I qualified as a teacher perhaps a little bit later uh, than most. But having looked back, and I have been teaching internationally now for about 10 years. And I've worked in South Korea, like you said, in Austria. And now I call the Netherlands my home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. And how long have you been in the Netherlands?
1: Good question. I think I've been here about four years now. And I really like it. I'm very happy and I enjoy where I am in the school and as part of the leadership team. Um, We have somewhat of maybe a different structure where we have more of an academic leadership team and we're involved with more than one curricula that's delivered in in the school. So I also, uh, I'm involved in the IPC as well because of that. So not just the IMRC, but I still have a special place in my heart.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Well, as you know, since you're so familiar with the IMYC, in the International Middle Years Curriculum, we have something called the process to facilitate learning. And this process is repeated many times throughout an academic year, providing that familiarity and that routine to a student's learning journeys. So through the process is a mini cycle, and this is called the research, record, and reflection. This can be repeated several times for student learning. So let's break down the cycle. Based on your experience and your time with the IMYC, how would you define the research part of the process? And what are some examples of how a student can research in the process to facilitate learning?
1: Right. Yeah, of course. I think generally people speak about research or understand research to be as like a formal investigation, like an inquiry, um, which I think that is true. And with a purpose or an intention to discover something new, uncover new knowledge, or deeper an understanding of something. And I guess this kind of notion of accessing something, which is the learning, you know, that's true across all disciplines. And I would say it's the same, uh, and it's no different in the IMYC. Perhaps our students might be maturing into, just beginning really, into that process of research through a discipline-specific approach, But I think that's actually what makes what sets the IMYC apart, maybe particularly from the IBC, because we know that the research part of that cycle also exists in the IBC. But I think we see a maturity of those skills in the middle years that perhaps is reflective of the age and stage that they're at. So, I mean, to answer your question, what I really think we're looking at is kind of a method of accessing information, is what research is in the IMYC, and one that is tied to apprenticing into the the subject in which you're conducting the research. So to give you an example, let's say a student is in IMYC science and they're studying biology. We would imagine that they would do research by observing phenomena or observing processes in the natural world, because that's how they would conduct that in a discipline specific way, or maybe in a language arts class if they were studying poetry. You might research biographical information about an author to understand the context in which that poem was created. Or maybe you want to research different forms of poetry so you can understand some of the structural elements that make up that poem before you actually go into the skills of analyzing it. So I guess, yeah, to come back to where we started, research being a process of collecting new information to build a deeper understanding of something I think that's exactly what students in the IMYC do, and they do so in a way that mirrors research methodologies that are valued in that subject area.
0: And is there any personal ways of which you find creative ways to research within the classroom, or is there anything that
1: certainly it's not
0: typical think- research? <laughs>
1: I mean, one of the things nowadays that we're really lucky, of course, is to have technology in the classroom. Students can dive into so many different resources to access information. And I think on a like pedagogical level, the fact that we have so many different ways to collect and get new information to help us understand something also helps us personalize learning and really meet the needs of all of our students. Because I'm not sure if you uh, shared the same experience, but when I was a student growing up, you know, everyone got the same book and everyone got all of the information from the same place. And I think that's really powerful in INYC is that we have the flexibility to offer a variety of resources, not to like name out certain (laughs) tools or resources that are my preference. But I think my personal experience is that you can use more than one source. And I think that's really empowering as a teacher.
0: Right we should, right, get all those different perspectives. So coming away from the research and going through the cycle, let's look at the record in the mini cycle. What does record look and feel like in the classroom? And what are some examples that you have used?
1: Right, very nice question. I think the record part is probably, like we were just saying, you can research from so many different sources. And I think likewise with the recording component, it's such an opportunity for teachers and students to be creative, innovative, imaginative in how they want to present or document what they've learned. So for example, they could even make a podcast just like this one, if they wanted to, or they could create a drama or a travel brochure explaining, you know, the day in the life of, you know, some historical figure or something like that. But I also want to emphasize that, you know, the sky is the limit in the ways that we can record what we learn, but not to forget that you know, sometimes it really is just showing you're working and that there's a place for that too. Like in mathematics, for example, to record your learning and is to talk about and explain, here's how I found this answer in the bottom. Um, We don't have to think about like research and recording as being this big endeavor and massive process, but actually it's really about how are you receiving information, processing it and demonstrating that you have processed that information or documented that information. You know, something like note-taking, for example, that's a really powerful way for students to show I can summarize information and I can uh, put it in my own words and I can explain to you what the research component, what I've learned from that. In PE, if you can make a step-by-step video about, um, you know, here's how you do uh, some kind of skill. And I say that more more as a a curriculum leader maybe than as a classroom teacher I've been really lucky in that sense to be able to see the IMYC in pretty much every single subject and so you know that recording again like the research is going to look different depending on your subject and that there's not kind of one way only you know I think sometimes and maybe maybe this is a generalization but The notion of inquiry is often kind of considered like the scientific inquiry and like an empirical study. So I'm recording specific observations and analyzing those observations when when really what we're asking students is to, as we were just saying, take information and present that you you have learned that and processed it. Yeah. And again, I think if I can add in, I think it's a powerful place again for student agency that they can use their own voice and say, here's how I want to present my learning. Here's how I want to show you uh, how I know what I've learned, whether I want to tell you as a teacher, or I want to illustrate or draw, or it's a kind of place for teachers and students. I would say the research and record together are really the place for teachers to think very consciously about, you know, what am I trying to teach? What other ways could I approach it? Maybe a little bit more so than other places in the process that facilitates learning in that whole learning cycle I might be uh how can I say I'm open to discussion if others disagree but I think it's a really powerful opportunity uh, for students and teachers to think about how learning is presented and re-presented Mm -hmm. if that makes
0: sense. Very good I like that and so with your experience looking at all the curriculum being as the coordinator you have the beauty of seeing how this research and record can just be done in a variety of ways in the various subjects which is really really brilliant so you bring all of that knowledge and that understanding into your school and so that you can infuse that impart that knowledge which is great. I hope you're enjoying the international curriculum specialist series to find out the latest updates or want to share your thoughts on the series, connect with us via our socials on Twitter at FW underscore education or on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Fieldwork Education. Now, back to our interview. So, coming from research and then record, we get to finally reflection. Now, some educators might just think that this is journaling, but I think there's more going on here on what reflection really Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. How can students and teachers reflect on the lesson and the learning? And what does reflection look and feel like to you in the classroom?
1: Right. I think that's a really good point and i think it's something that in particular has really been addressed in the imyc 2020 this notion you said that it can be kind of journal reflection only and i do think in the kind of legacy imyc the earlier forms of it that maybe it was a misunderstanding about what you're trying to achieve and i think even in the 10 years since imyc first came out educational scholarship has told us a lot about metacognition and what reflection really means so it's not to say that it wasn't with good intention and it didn't result in good learning I think it's to say that in 10 years this component I think of inquiry-based learning has been fleshed out a little bit more I would tend to agree with you on that Hmm. Um, and again I can only speak to my own experience but I would say what I've seen reflection really mean in middle-year students would be like, what is the outcome of my learning? And thinking about the inquiry itself, what is significant about my learning? What is significant about uh, the results? Or how does this link to my unit big idea? Like things that are related to the subject itself. But then also, on the other hand, and I think this is where we kind of move away from, you know, what we used to call journaling in the IMYC is much more around metacognition. cognition and inviting students to really think about what have I learned and why does that matter in the world? You know, like, what have I learned about myself? And I think if we consider reflection in those two forms, the former really invites deeper learning and learning for understanding. So when we talk about knowledge, skills, and understanding in the IMYC, that, if I may, journal reflection learning is to invite students to think about the content. If I can, I don't know how else to explain that. Whereas in the other... Side to ask students to think about the process of learning and who they were as a learner. That's really inviting the personal learning and international learning components of the IMYC, and I think they're equally important. And when you have, you know, that that cycle of research, record, and reflect all together, you need both, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, and I think also it ties into more recently the. Sixth identified need of the brain. You know, we used to talk about five. And now we've really recognized that student agency is critical in adolescence. And I think that, you know, second half of reflection, where it's talking about metacognition, I really think that ties directly again into student agency. I need to be my own learner and learn from that experience just as much as I need to learn from the content that I was engaging with. Yeah. Does that... Can, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. And I think that journals definitely have a place and they will have a place in any classroom. But I think what you're saying is that the aspect of metacognition, thinking about our thinking, is is important. And that can take place in many ways. That could maybe be a discussion, it could be a uh, thing pair share, exit of ticket, ticket of, or yeah, exit, a exactly.
1: circle of viewpoints. There's so many ways that it doesn't need to be an individual's response. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It should be a collective reflection that's equally uh, valued as an individual reflection. That's right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's good to think about that because as we look at what research record and reflect, I think it's important to define what those words are and to know that what one person may understand or translate what that word could mean we have a variety of ways of which we can research, of which we can record, and again, which we can reflect. So I think yes. it's important to look at that and open up that flexibility. In, in I agree. Experience.
1: I agree. And I think it's, I don't want to speak on behalf of, you know, globally teachers, but I know for myself, that's a bit intimidating at first to have that much freedom and flexibility. You want to be sure, like, am I still getting what I, what I want out of this task? But actually, I think with my experience with the IMYC is you really do. For <laughs>
0: sure. Now I understand that you were involved in the idea behind the mini cycle <laughs> of research, record, and reflection. So what made you think of that process and how does it improve learning with students by having the circle within the circle, we
1: could say? Right. Well, I can't take undue credit, but um but I do remember having a conversation with colleagues. And I remember in the previous iteration, journal reflection was at the end of the process that facilitates learning. And I remember thinking to myself, like, well, actually, if you've left it to the end of the unit, have we not missed quite a few opportunities in the unit of learning to talk about what we've been learning and build progression? And I guess in any unit of learning, you have like the end goal, but it takes like any good teacher knows, scaffolding and time. And it takes smaller, more manageable tasks to build up to you know what we might call a summative task. And I guess for me that is actually the impact is that the research record reflect, if you do that in smaller, more tangible, like shorter cycles throughout a larger unit of inquiry, then actually that is scaffolding student learning and giving them that autonomy to do your summative tasks successfully. You know, and you don't miss all of those opportunities, you know, from the beginning until the very end to talk about learning. But actually that conversation about learning is built into that cycle over and over. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, I I understand. And you can definitely see the value of it, of returning and reflecting and going through those cycle many times. And then you can kind of rework and look at the process and how it can be um, refined and understanding can go deeper in the the process to facilitate learning. So tell me about a time, Danielle, in your teaching when you saw how the process of research, record and reflections impacted a lesson or student learning. What happened? Can you give us an example? Where have I seen that
1: really work? I think, okay, so I'm going to maybe be a little bit cheeky and tell you a story from before that helps illustrate why I think it has an impact. So when I was newly a teacher, I was working with a colleague and in the department who said, you know, have you done castles yet? Or like, have you gotten to castles yet? And I didn't have enough experience really to challenge that question or to think about what was really being asked of me. But actually, now that I do, I can think back on that experience. And I was really just being asked, like, are you on page 75 of the book? So that we could, as you know, a department, be on parallel timing. Is really what the question was about. And I think for me, the real impact of the research record reflect cycle, mini cycle, however we want to call it, is that student autonomy is at the center of learning. It isn't, did I get to Castles yet? It's about, have they really learned what I want them to learn? And I think that's something that's really difficult to turn into a concrete example about the impact on an individual student's learning when actually the real impact was actually on my practice. And I think that's the power of the INYC. if you've been trained and and maybe like I was saying, I came late to teaching, but I think the notion of inquiry-based learning wasn't really fleshed out when I was training as a teacher and training as a secondary teacher, especially a lot of that is in the methodology of your subject. And I think student-led inquiry was like a science fair. <laughs> Once a year. I know I'm being very I'm making quite a broad generalization. So I'm not trying to speak out of turn too much here. But I really do think that the impact is actually on the way students learn and the methodology of student learning in that cycle, more so than maybe individual lessons that have been successful using that model. Does that
0: make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. Yeah, definitely. It's the way we learn and and I think that reflects and it, obviously, with your experience and what you've been going through, it makes sense that you came up with, well, why do we wait to the end for these things? Why don't we keep revisiting them in this cycle and look into how we can deepen our understanding, our skills, our knowing, and our lessons in our unit? So,
1: hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, when you put the students really at the heart of their learning, that's when the impact really shows. You know, like they are the ones who have autonomy. And then you get massive engagement, uh, incredible motivation. And then students see their own success and can measure their own success instead of you as the teacher being the kind of gatekeeper of that success, you know?
0: And so just adding and asking a question on that part, and which I think you have mentioned a couple of times is, what is the best way to put that learner at the center?
1: Right. I mean I think it always has to begin as a teacher you need to know from the beginning what it is you want them to learn and I think again that's the power of the IMRC is that it wasn't like did you get to the page about castles (laughs) but actually you have clear learning objectives and the ways in which you reach those objectives are flexible and taking those risks and I guess that's something I've really learned through the IMYC and I think it has made me a better teacher is that I've been able to take risks in the classroom and I've been able to try things that I might not always understand (laughs) or it might be the first time every time you do something for the first time it always feels clunky and intimidating but because of knowing that I know what I need students to learn and I want to develop students autonomy to get there and keeping those things in mind, yeah. I think risk-taking.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, Danielle, we love takeaways here. We love having something to take away. Can you give us one takeaway you would like the listeners and viewers to know about with your time and experience with the IMYC? I know it's hard to boil down to one, but can you mm-hmm. think of I mean, I might just takeaway? repeat
1: myself and say risk-taking, actually. Because actually, we talk about the kids and we want the kids to take risks. And that's actually like one of the needs of the adolescent brain. But if we don't do that ourselves, you know, how do we foster that in them? And I think modeling that and trying new strategies, you know, like continually learning uh, and trying and reflecting on that process, it's almost a bit like apply that mini cycle yourself, you know, like Look and find, you know, seek out new strategies and then try them in your classroom. That's a record. Right. And then reflect on, did that work? Was that me? Was it the student's interest? Was it, did I get what I wanted out of that? So really employing that same mini cycle, if you will, in your own practice. I think that's a pretty good takeaway.
0: (laughs) Agreed, Danielle. Well, I want to say thank you so much for taking your time out today sharing your stories and your insight and your experience with us. And um, I uh, hope to see you back for another podcast, YouTube video down the road. I really appreciate your time, Danielle. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) A big takeaway from Danielle Machon's interview is the importance of revisiting the learning that is taking place and reflecting throughout the process rather than just at the end. This can be done continuously with the research, record, and reflect cycle, so conversations about improving learning can always take place. Shorter, tangible tasks throughout a larger unit of inquiry encourage student autonomy in order to successfully complete bigger, summative tasks. What does research, record, and reflect look and feel like in your classroom? How often do your students reflect throughout their learning? And what insight did you gain from this interview? We would love to hear your thoughts on our socials on Twitter at FW underscore education or Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Fieldwork Education.